Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Dr. Wignall. Yo. Oftentimes, I have clients that come into therapy, um, of course, because there's a problem, but sometimes their solution to that problem, the one that they've kind of mapped out in their mind for me, is how I can teach them to get somebody else in their life to do what they want them to do. Mm. For example, I might have a client come in and say, my husband's alcoholism is a huge problem in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I can agree with that. Alcoholism's hard to deal with, to put it mildly. But the client's reason for coming into therapy is they feel I'm going to tell them um, a set of instructions or a set of uh, ways to respond to their spouse that will make them quit drinking. Mm. Um, and that's that's often interesting because their expectation um, and their demands that they've placed on their husband already to stop drinking haven't worked at all. But they feel like they want want a, want want an expert's advice on how to make another person stop doing something. And I often have to get into a conversation about how that might be the worst strategy we could select. Mm. Um, and so I'm wondering what you're. Do you have the same occurrence sometimes where, where clients are looking for advice on how to shape the behavior of other people? Yeah, totally. So one that happens to me often is um, therapy. Like my my husband needs to get into therapy. My wife just really needs to get into therapy. How do yeah. I convince her? That they need help. To get into therapy. Yeah, they yeah. really need help, obviously. Everyone in their life knows it and they just won't do it. Which is interesting. And, and you can definitely empathize and, and understand why that client might want that. Oh, totally. And it could even be the best possible outcome for that other person however sometimes those clients i notice have this very rigid expectation of what other people should be doing Mm -hmm. and when other people don't do that then my client is left frustrated devastated angry um shocked surprised hurt um and and oftentimes as a as a psychologist i feel like working on their expectations of other people might be a, a better place to start therapy than helping coach them change the lives of other people around mm. them, if that makes any sense. Just give them the Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could, because they work so well for me all the time. <laughs> you just wave your fingers yeah. like Obi-Wan Kenobi. And That's right. Stormtroopers let you by. And, and then the world just opens right up. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, we laugh about this, but of course, all of us have this. We all like just want people to align with what we want. And then we really just don't understand why the hell they won't. Right, because it seems totally rational yeah. to us yeah. in our mind. We're, we're, we're reasonable people. Why, right. why where in the world wouldn't you do what I want you to do? Mm-mm. Yeah. Interestingly enough, though, we can all look around and see that people don't do what we want them to do all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I usually have a... <laughs> I kind of talk with my clients about what I refer to as their criteria for happiness. Mm. We all kind of have a list of things that we need to feel happy. And and sometimes we're explicitly aware of that and sometimes we're not, that list. But some of us decide that we have to have other people 
do what we expect in order for us to be okay and for an uh, order for us to be happy. Hmm. So in, in the case of this first example, in order for this partner to be happy, their husband had to quit drinking. And unless he quit drinking, they couldn't be okay. Hmm. Does that make sense? To me or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Because you. obviously because having an alcoholic husband is a really unhappy thing. That's the source of sure. a lot of unhappiness. But sure. it seems like what you're getting at is just because there's a lot of a, something that's producing a lot of unhappiness doesn't mean that it's also possible to be happy too. Right. Like that it's not a black or white thing, all or nothing. Right. Or, or you know, in, in, in the grand um, scheme of it all, you know, relationships are voluntary and, and my client could walk out at any time if she decides that's an ultimate criteria for happiness for mm. her, she can choose to do that. But I noticed that we, we, we tend to have very rigid expectations around what other people should do, what we believe other people should do. Let's, can we talk for a second about sure. the term expectation itself? Sure. Um, so it, to me, I think of expectations and I just think of it's, is it, is it what we want other people to do? Is it what we think other people should do or are ob- obliged to do? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think about... Boy, I would think it'd be hard to parse that out. Your bias from thinking about what other people should do. That, that mm-hmm. seems to be a, a... I think our expectations are biased on our own point of view. So it's more along the lines of what we want other people to do. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of our expectations are based on actual analysis of history, patterns of behavior. I don't, for the most part. And to me, that's when when you get into at least unhelpful expectations, it seems to be a conflict between really it's about what you want, but the way we talk to ourselves about it is more like what should happen in objective real. Like this is obviously wrong. So why are you doing this? Well, it's probably good to recognize that we all have this little rationalization in our head about why, what we want and expect is reasonable and Mm -hmm. why other people are irrational if they don't want what we want. Yeah. But maybe that's a good distinction to, to think about up front is what's the difference between what we want and what should, you know, what capital S should be happening? Mm. Well, I, I, w- I would assume that, that, and this is maybe an assumption, but I would assume that most of us, that's the same thing. We expect others to do what we want them to do. It's, it's based off what we want. Mm. And we'll rationalize it and say that's probably the best right. well, thing anyway. And that's why I think making that distinction is important. That might highlight for us like, oh, oh actually, maybe those two things are different being able to distinguish my expectation is really a bias that I have about what I want. Yeah. Like, and is frankly as irrational as alcoholism looks Mm -hmm. to someone who's living with an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. there may be a way in which it's, it's rational for that person or they, or they are nowhere near seeing it as a problem that you see it. Right. Right. They may, they may think this is a better solution than, yeah. So you're right. So yeah, I, I would say our expectations are more what we want people to do. Um, and when those expectations expectations are violated, we're shocked mm, and we're mad surprised. and we're upset yeah. and we're frustrated by that. Um, but when we when when you use the distinction of yeah, that's that's because they're not doing what you want them to do. Um, that that could help maybe loosen up some of the rigidness on that. But I usually have a conversation with my clients about that criteria for happiness. And one of the beliefs I have about your list or your criteria for happiness is that 
there should be a limited amount of interference of things you can't control on that list. Mm. Wait, that sounds a little confusing. Restate that for me. If you have other people's behavior on your list Mm. or on your criteria for happiness, you're going to be disappointed a lot Mm. because you can't control the behavior of other people. So if your criteria for, for happiness includes my husband has to stop drinking, my kids have to get good grades, my boss at work has to reward me with a promotion, if all those items contain the behavior of other people, mm-hmm. you don't have control over any of those items, mm-hmm. I would say that's probably a bad start to your list. It's kind I of mean, a setup. Yeah, you're kind yeah, you're 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 putting things on your list you have no control over and and as a professional in, in, in this field, I would say you're better off if you have a criteria list that, that you have more control over. Mm. Um, but I'm always, I'm always kind of um, reiterating to my clients that their expectations are frustrating them more than their person is, more than that, that partner mm. or more than that friend or more than that kid. Yeah. Or at least adding an unnecessary layer of stress and frustration mm-hmm. yeah right? like it's one it's one thing to, to live with an alcoholic partner right, right. and experience all the, yeah, that's painful enough right when we but add to, on the expectation that they're going to quit tomorrow or that they're going to any and then know, the disappointment and frustration that comes from that man, a violation of that expectation yeah now we're now we're compounding that frustration right. it can really put you over the over right. the line right mm. and that you might be able to kind of deal better with the the initial frustration mm-hmm. um more effectively than than after you've added your own disappointment mm. that's based off of your expectation, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I work a lot with clients about loosening those expectations or having those expectations be more flexible. So how do you actually? How do you literally? How do you loosen an expectation? What does that look like? Well, first, kind of recognizing what your expectation is. Okay. I'm really expecting my husband to quit drinking. Right. Um, and then really drawing into the fact that that expectation, holding on to that expectation rigidly mm-hmm. is going to cause me to struggle. And when we say expectation, I, I assume what we really mean is like if you're expecting your husband to quit drinking, that means you're literally thinking to yourself, well, maybe today's the day or maybe he finally called a therapist. Right. And maybe, you know, oh, he seems better today. Like maybe we're kind of turning the corner here. Yeah, he didn't drink today. Okay. He, whatever. Now, wait, isn't that like, aren't you being pessimistic and negative if you're not hoping for the best? Oh, yeah, there's no problem in hoping for the best, but mm. expecting the best or expecting that to happen is is something different I think than hoping. How so? I think that's a really important distinction. How do you cut that in your mind? The difference between hope and expectation? Well, I think I think hope mm, boy, I wasn't ready for that. I think hope might be a an overall uh, desire for a more positive future outcome. A desire for more. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Where an expectation is is a little bit more rigid and inflexible, um, and usually around specific behaviors too. Mm-hmm. Stopping drinking, right? Um, and, and so if if you hope for something in the future, um, I can I can see why you'd want that. You'd want to remain positive. Um, but to expect it, I think, is to actually plan on it, bank on it, count on it. And then when it doesn't happen, you are eternally let down. Mm. Okay. How would you draw a distinction between those two things? Yeah, I, I think it's tricky. But to me, the, the big thematic distinction between the two is 
expectation has a, a strong feeling of control to it. It's like a clenched fist. Like you're, you're trying to make something happen. It's more forceful. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, forceful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas hope is very, hope is very light. It's very, like I, like people talk about. Um, it's more passive. Hope in God, right? You, you, most people I know have no delusion that they can control God, right? right? So you, you hope that, you know, God will provide mm-hmm. is the way people talk about mm-hmm. it, right? So there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's, no, there's no element of me influencing the future, right? right? But expectations, like I expect that my kids will get all A's because you can sit down and force your kid to study for two hours, we, we feel like we have control and agency mm-hmm. over that outcome. Or, or maybe an expectation is kind of, um, there is an element of control in it, whereas yeah. hope there's not. That's what I mean. So I think that the distinction there is how much, how much control are, do you think you, you have and right. should have? And so when, when I say to my clients, focus on hoping for the best, that means you would like the best to occur, but you have no, you know, you're not expecting to be able to control that outcome at all. Right. Whereas expectation implies a kind of, I can do something about this. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that when that doesn't line up with reality, like can you fix your husband's alcoholism? No. Right. But if you're set, if you're, if the way you think about it implies that, that like I should be able to fix this, man, that that's a setup. That's brutal. Yeah. And that's hard too. I think, I think, um, you know, a, a close second to this problem sometimes um, that, that shows up at the same time is this idea that you can control the behaviors of others sometimes, mm. um, which is which is in itself a painful realization that that is is uh, not true. Okay, let me a little bit of the devil's advocate there. Um, we kind of can though, right? Like you can, we can influence other people's behavior. Influence, I like that. Okay, yeah, control. Eh. Yeah, but but I think that's in some ways that's a subtle distinction. I think because we can we can exert influence over other people's behavior, it's it's a natural step mm. to expect that we can control it. And mm. I, I so I think that's a really it's a slippery slope between influence and control. But it I think it's which and it varies from person to person. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Some people will gladly be controlled <laughs> right some people right. will not be controlled but it, but that the big mistake is assuming that because you can influence someone um that, that you can sort of do things to, to increase the probability of an outcome that that means you can control the outcome right and i think that's a they seem similar but they're they couldn't be further apart yeah yeah no i think you're right i think i think i spend a lot of time with clients one kind of identifying um what they can control, what they themselves can do and what influence they have, and then helping them develop the skill of respecting other people's rights to choose for themselves what they'll do, what they'll think, what they'll feel. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it allows you to loosen those expectations so that you're not continually frustrated, angry, mm-hmm. resentful, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and there's a few moving parts in there, but usually at the end of therapy, you have someone who's much more um, at peace. Um, I wouldn't say always happier, but they're much more at peace with what's going on in their lives, and they're able to really 
uh, allow other people to be who they are and then to make better choices for themselves in response to that. What, um, what kind of obstacles come up with that? So I think a lot of people maybe could get behind the idea of intellectually, yes, I can't control my spouse mm-hmm. um, and I should have lower expectations, um, but I just can't help it. Like I, w- w- something prevents me from letting go. Like w- what do you find in your work? Like wh- what, what makes this hard for people specifically? Usually there's, there's a really good value under there that is getting run over, ignored, trampled, um, something like that. So, so in the case of a, of a spouse who's coming in because their partner's struggling with alcoholism, let's say, well, the alcoholism's there, yes, but the bigger problem is that there's an emotional disconnect. There's a level of intimacy that's no longer in the relationship. Mm. It's not a healthy relationship any longer. Uh, maybe there's some financial distress that's being caused. There's values in there that are getting run over for that yeah. client and helping them realize what's actually, you know, taking the hit here for me. You know, it, mm. the alcoholism is a problem, sure, but what really hurts me in this situation is that um, the alcohol just completely disconnects me from my spouse emotionally. Yeah, I come home, they're they're half in the bag. I can't have a conversation. We can't make love. We can't do any of the things that, you know, I want to do in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's just not a healthy relationship. So what you're saying is really the, it's about loneliness, not the alcohol use. It could be. It could you be. Know, I mean, like, alcoholism is in itself frustrating, but usually there's values in this situation that are being completely ignored, sure. trampled on. Right. And whatever. those are good to be aware of in addition to the obvious downsides of Right. So your spouse being an alcoholic. And then teaching the client to express those issues mm-hmm. and, and, and as, as preferences, not expectations, mm-hmm. but as preferences, right? So helping that client learn to approach their spouse and, and discuss their preference for a relationship that is healthy and intimate and has these other connected properties that, that they're missing. Mm. Um, and expressing their preferences as preferences, basically. Yeah. Um, so instead of you need to stop doing this, I would prefer if we could do this more of this together. Right. And it's a much more positive communication style in general. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the the focus remains on what their behavior is. Let's stop worrying about the alcoholism and we focus on the way that you express preferences and the way you communicate. Mm -hmm. And then what do you do in response? Yeah. Right. And, and how do you respond once you've expressed those preferences, once you've made them known? And they're followed or not followed. How do you react? Mm-hmm. What are you responsible for there? Um, and, and oftentimes you have clients who, um, who who struggle with with boundaries sometimes, and um, who who really struggle with with these situations because they're not willing to do maybe what they need to do um, to to properly kind of focus their attention on what's happening. Like what? What's an example? So saying, um, you know, I would prefer these things. Um, and tell you what, if, 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 you know, when I, when I come home, I would prefer that we have a minute or two to kind of talk, you know, and, and connect and, and some of these things. If that's not possible though, I'm going to, I'm going to have to find that by maybe going over to my mother's house or my sister's house. I need, I need to have some kind of conversation with someone. Um, but you put a boundary down. You can say, I'm not okay with this. You know, I'm, I'm, I would prefer this not happen. I recognize that you can make whatever choice you want. Mm -hmm. I'm going to exercise my own, you know, ability to choose though behaviors and things. 
um, in response to, to those. That's a great point because I've found that in addition to that being probabilistically, probably your best odds of actually improving the situation, changing those things you can actually control. Right. I, I find that when, when people, and myself too, when we actually start taking control of things we can do and actually start doing things differently, things that line up with our values and what we want, right? even if it doesn't lead to good outcomes, taking charge of our own life feels good. Right. We start feeling a little bit better, a little bit more confident, a little bit more efficacious. There's a sense of empowerment there. Yep. Um, as well, you can realize I don't actually have to have that to be happy, right? If, yeah. if, if your partner is struggling and you say, look, if, if I come home and you're kind of at this place, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go over to my sisters and, and, and hang out for a little bit and, and connect with her. And cause I need that intimacy. I need that kind of person to person. It's not a threat and it's not an ultimatum. It's more just a, Hey, I'm going to exercise my right to choose too, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. And so it's not done malevolently or hurtfully, but it does kind of put a boundary down and, and expresses it. One expresses what you prefer. Yeah puts a boundary down and then lets them know, hey, if you violate the contract, basically, I'm out. Right. Yeah. And this, this is one of those kind of ironic things about the idea of, I think one reason people have a hard time with the idea of letting go of expectations is because it feels very passive. Mm. But ironically, I think it actually leads to more genuine agency. When, like having high expectations for other people is an incredibly passive way of going about your life. Yeah. And ironically, when you let go, give up those expectations, it empowers you to be more active. Yeah. It's, it's easier to demand things of other people than it is to actually exercise your own volition mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. 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 And, and so I think those are, are, are kind of, if you find yourself having some rigid expectations, to go ahead and know what those are and then to, to kind of help yourself realize that holding those expectations is probably more harmful than beneficial for both of you, for, for both you and the other party. Um, and that expressing your preferences and then kind of really focusing on what behaviors you can initiate in response rather than demanding somebody else change theirs, you'll probably be better off. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.